turn myself off. So, you are tonight um, going to be, what do you call that? So, whenever I watch preachers on television and they use no notes at all, they just walk around and they just have it in their heads and they just bring these amazing, amazing messages and I'm so inspired and then I come and I read and I read from notes and you can hear I'm reading from notes and so tonight I'm doing a bite-sized sermon without notes so this could be really good or this could be a total failure so I'm expecting you to let me know what you think and I'm sorry that you're part of my you know experiment (laughs) but you know it's it's just something I've got to learn and you are my victims so here we go so tonight we're talking about Colossians and I don't know about you but when we did the Lent course you know the book that we had for Lent and it was just on verses from Ephesians we did a course and every day for 40 days we read verses from Ephesians and then it went through what was in that. There was so much in there. It was a treasure cove. Ta-da! It should come up now. There you go. A treasure cove. One verse. Depth, depth, depth of, of what we could learn from it. So much that you could just sit down and go, I didn't know I could get that from there. That so much was just in one verse. And Paul wrote four letters when he was in prison in Rome. He wrote a letter to the Colossians, to the Ephesians, to Philippians and Phineman. And they are all full of practical advice. They are full of depth of understanding of how we can learn more about him, how we can grow in him, and how much that that whole life-changing event comes from reading the word of God from spending time with him. So, Colossians today is like that. And you know when you're, when you're preaching, you can listen to a sermon and then somebody else does a sermon on the same subject and you just use a different verse and, and it just comes over us. Something different comes out of it. And so when I was preparing for this sermon, I wasn't sort of looking at some of the normal things that you would look at. I was actually more looking at Paul as a person. And you've got to remember with Paul where he comes from. First time we hear about Paul is in Acts. It's in Acts when he stands as a young man carrying the coats while Stephen is being stoned. That's the first time we hear about Paul. You've just got to think about the fact that this is, you know, a Pharisee. He was, a, you know, brought up to really, in the, in the Jewish faith, you know, brought up knowing things. And so there he stands with the coats and Stephen is being stoned in front of him. That must make such a deep impression on you. Even in a culture where stoning was done, you see Stephen and he wasn't, you know, the normal person being stoned. He was stoned and he was in total relationship with God as he was being stoned. He was like, I can see the heavens opening. You know, forgive them, because I can see the heavens opening. I'm going there, 
And so we see a totally different person in faith from Paul, legalistically being, you know, drowned in that, to a man who sees God. And as he's dying, that's where he's going. And Paul, in his young life, looks at that and probably thinks to himself, they're dangerous. They're jolly dangerous, because if they got like that, we've got to stop that. And so that's what you see with Paul, that as he grows in his faith, as a Jew, he wants to get rid of the Christians. And so we meet Paul again in Acts, as he's, you know, on the road to Damascus. But when I want to come take a step back and look at Paul as a person, we can see that Paul was actually prepared by God. He had natural gifts that God had put into him. He was a leader. He was zealous. He was sure of himself. He had he was determined. He wasn't afraid. All qualities that were in him before he met with Christ on the road to Damascus. There were natural gifts within the man that when Jesus met him on the road, God used. God used. Those abilities that are natural, God uses. And that's what got me thinking within reading Colossians, that we got a man here with all the qualities that he had before. And then you meet Christ on the Damascus road and God changes you. But he uses those qualities that were in you before and he uses them. It's a bit like a light in a lighthouse. You've got the light, it's just a light. And then you put a magnifying glass in front of it and that light is massive. It shines everywhere. And that's what you know, our encounter with Christ can do. It can be that magnifying glass that uses those gifts that you have and makes them into something that God can use and that God wants to use. And so that's what Jesus does. He takes you and me, he equips us, then he enables us, and then he empowers us because he puts the spirit in us. Don't forget the Holy Spirit. Don't for one moment forget that that spirit, that same spirit that Jesus put into Paul on the, road, in, on the Damascus Road, lives in us. That same spirit that you know, made Paul the apostle to the Gentiles lives in you and me. And it's what we do with it. Because Paul did loads with it. Paul was so zealous for Christ, he so knew what he was and what he became that he spent time with God all the time. He was with him. He was in prayer. He knew his scripture inside out. He was teaching. He All the things that you know made him such an enormous man of God, they came through his own walk with Christ. It wasn't something that, you know, you know, here it is, off you go. No, those, those same qualities that were there before, through the Spirit, that same quality of zealousness that was there before, God used and just made him go up. He saw what God wanted him to do and he went for it. There was no stopping him. 
the, you know, the thorn in his, in his side was there, didn't stop him. Being flogged, going into prison, didn't stop him. You know, going through afflictions, you know, all the things that were happening, didn't stop him. It, he just saw it as another stepping stone to what God had for him. And so I want to encourage you today to look at what gifts have you got? You know, what talents have you got that God wants to use like a, like a lighthouse and use? So I want you to just look at some of the verses that are in, in the New Testament that just talk about how we are. So the first one I want to look at is slides in Ephesians. So that's Ephesians 4, 11 to 13. So Christ himself gave the, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. This is what you and I, through the Spirit, have got. We're not all pastors, evangelists. We are, we are all equipped. And why are we equipped? For the body of Christ. For the body of Christ. And there is, sits in the middle of that the mission of Christ, which is to make disciples of all. This is not for us. This is not so we can be a holy huddle and be blessed you know, for each other. It isn't. It is so that we can go and be Christ wherever we are, at work, in our families, in whatever situation we are. That's where he wants us to shine with those gifts that we have. And that could be hospitality. That could be a word of encouragement. That could be a prophecy. All the things, the gifts that we have, we should use them for the, you know, for the glory of God for, to bring the kingdom out from the church into the wider world. And don't we need it now? You know, you know, I'm sure every generation says we need it now more than ever. But boy, do we need it. You know, we look around us and this world is, is scary. But God tells us not to be afraid, that he is in control. And if that God that's in control in us, you know, is in control of the world, then we should follow and be full of faith and step out and have that. And the next slide is in 1 Corinthians 12, 4, 4 to 11. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them. There are different gifts of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, are the manifestations of the spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To, a, this, to another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still one an another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are works of the one and the same Spirit, and He distributes them to each one just as He determines. These are the gifts that we have in us. Are we using them? Are we actually using them? Do we see them working in our lives? 
Somewhat, some we do, some we don't at all. They're lying dormant, dormant in our lives. And why? Because we're not spending time with God. We are not spending time with God. You know, five minutes in the morning, five minutes in the evening, possibly a bit reading, a bit of music, not enough. If we want to be like Paul, if we want to be like the great preachers, the great evangelists, whatever, we've got to spend time with him. You know, if you want to drive a car, twice sitting in the car is not going to get you a driving license. You know, you might, you know it's not going to work. It's when you spend time with Christ, when your thoughts are in him, when you, when you meditate upon his word. Steve and I at the moment, because even though I wear the badge, we're not actually finished. Still got another year to go. And we're doing a spirituality course, which is not quite our thing, to be honest, because silence isn't usually something that works for me. My thoughts go everywhere in silence. But... You know, we're looking at things and thinking, do you know, if you, if you just look at one verse and you look what you can get out of that, it so speaks when you spend time, when you sit there and, and you write it down and you think, like, you know, that we had an exercise to do with, you know, just the attributes of God. What do you think about the attributes of God? But then you've got to think, what attributes? Which one speaks to me? Well, why does it speak to me? What am I learning about it? Where, where does it give that whole thing in the Bible where you look at it and then it just opens up the word to you like a, like a light? And there you go. And, and that deepens your faith because the, the re- revelation of Christ, when you get it, it deepens your faith. And then you talk to people about it and you pray about it and you grow. That's how you grow, by your fellowship, by your, you know, by your, by your learning. And so... It's an encouragement that if you want to, you know, if you want to be a light, if you want to be salt, you've got to spend time with God. There's no other answer for that. So are we willing to be transformed, willing to change direction if God is telling us to do that? Like, you know, the direction of St. John's, you know, is God talking to you? Are you, you know, are you called to stay here or are you called to to go and, and be challenged to go somewhere completely different. You know, it's, it's got, you know, there, challenging you. Paul changed. He changed direction, and all the talents he had were poured in following Jesus and making Jesus known. First the Jews, then the apostle to the Gentiles. He literally spent his time his life, getting to know Jesus better and using all that knowledge and energy to fulfill the mission that God had for him. He was willing to suffer. Indeed, he called it a gain to be able to suffer for the sake of the gospel. Are you? I know it's something that I really struggle with. Will I? Will you? If, if we're called, will we? And see it as a gain for our faith? Will we be strong enough? Let's just look at if, um, Col- the verses in Colossians again that, we, that um, Martin read. Is it frozen? 
Yes, fine. I rejoice in what I'm suffering for you, and I fill up in my flesh, flesh, what is still lacking in regards to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness, the mystery that has kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. That is the mystery. We don't have to go anywhere else. He's in you. When you've accepted Jesus as your saviour, Christ lives in you, the hope of glory. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. Why? Because he spent all his time teaching, teaching people, sharing Christ. And that's what, you know, we should be doing that. We should be, you know, having that revelation of Christ within us and being able to do that. I want you to know how hard I'm working for you and for those of Laosia, for all that have not met me personal. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. For though I'm absent from you in body, I'm present with you in spirit and the light to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. We see Paul in prison, absolutely full of God, still teaching and reaching out through his letters to the believers. To Paul, his central focus was Christ and his church. He wanted people to grasp who they were in Christ. He wanted them to grasp the love of God that sent his son to die on the cross for our salvation. He wanted us to know the depth, the width, the length, the breadth of God's love for us. The riches that are bestowed to those who love him, spend time to get to know him. The letters to Colossians show a man who is suffering for our sake so that we can know that Christ dwells in us in the fullness of wisdom and knowledge. And he encourages his readers to be encouraged and to be united in love. If we are divided... We cannot work together. If we don't spend time together and following God's commands to make disciples, we do not see the kingdom grow. Paul's life work was to make Christ known. He did that through his personal testimony, through the life he lived and worked, and through his example, his willingness to suffer, his willingness to utterly rely on God, his willingness to trust in the Spirit's prompting and the willingness to share all he had, that is when we see the kingdom of God in action. So tonight, I wonder if you're happy to sort of sit together, twos, threes, and pray for one another, that God would actually enable you to know your giftings, 
to know how he can use you for the kingdom, to know how those things that hinder us from doing what God wants us to do, how we can, you know, how we can see how we can change that. So that through that, we can see his kingdom come and the will of God arrive. So are you happy to do that, to pray together? Is that all right? You happy for us to, one of us to come sit with you? Yeah. And that's it. She'll have to tell me afterwards what you thought of it. <laughs>